Thanks, Bobby. Wait, I think, thank you. He would rather be down there with the brats. No, um, it's really cool. Um, they're doing a service down at Bratfest uh, this morning, and Pastor Troy is uh, preaching down there, so um, we'll pray for him. But I just tell you real quick before I start, just a quick story about Bratfest, because uh, we've been doing Life Fest for quite a while, and there's a, a guy, Tim Medcalf, who owns three, him and his brothers own three big grocery stores in Madison called Medcalf, Med, Medcalf Foods. And uh, we have a relationship with a guy down in Madison, Michael Johnson. He's the director of Boys and Girls Club down there. And they've been bringing some kids up from Madison to Life Fest. And they've been trying to work on their friend, Tim, to come on up. And Tim says, ah, he's not a follower. And I don't like that Christian music stuff. And they're like, no, you got to come. You guys can learn from each other and, you know, see how many porta potties they have. <laughs> you know? And uh, so they're working on different things. They finally talked him into coming uh, a couple years ago. And he said, I only know one Christian song, and it was only Imagine by Mercy Me, because it was played at his dad's funeral. Well, guess who God happened to have at Life Fest that year? Mercy Me. And Bart came out and said, what if it's true? What if this Jesus really is who he claimed to be? What would you do? Would you, would you tweet about it? Would you put it on Facebook? Or would you follow him? And guess what? Tim Medcalf gave his life to Jesus Christ and decided to follow him. So he said, he said, afterwards he goes, Bob, got to meet him. He goes, you got to bring Life Fest to Madison. I'm like, great. You got $1.3 million? That's literally how much it costs to set it all up and to do it all. He's like, uh, no. How about a stage? And so we have now for the second year, we have 40 hours of Christian programming, messages, um, illusionists, and Christian music at Broadfest with 100,000 people. And that's where your pastor is preaching this morning. So um, I love, I love how God does that. So yeah, go check it out. Go to lifefest.com or on Facebook. You'll see pictures there. They had Family Force 5 there last night, Rapture Ruckus, and bunch of bands down there. Uh, Sidewalk Prophets are there tonight. Not doing anything tomorrow. Stay away from the beer. Get some brats tomorrow. But, but it, it's, it's a great time. So let's just pray. God, oh, wait, wait, time out. No, no, I'm sorry. I got to tell you this. Another good reason for Broadfest is I thought I really had a good time last time I was here. I thought it went pretty well, but I never got asked back. So I had to have him speak just to come back. <laughs> so God be with him. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this body. Thank you for the leadership here. Thank you for your spirit that is so here. And God, we just want to live according to you. We want to live in your spirit. We want to be what you're about. And God, I pray that you would just do that here this morning. And be with Troy as he has preached or is preaching actually right now down in Madison. And I just pray that, uh, Lord, we're on the same team. And it's so good to be in partnership for your kingdom. May your kingdom be advanced in our hearts, our minds, in our communities, in our homes. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Let me tell you, it is, it is so good to be back, Bobby. It, it does feel like brothers and have you guys at Life Fest and it's just really warm. The feel here is so warm. It can just, 
it's like home, you know, wanderer, come home, this is home, this is God's family, but I got to tell you, that's, that's not what I feel out on the road so many times. I just came back from Cleveland, we did 16 talks, schools down in Cleveland, I just got home yesterday. Um, I don't know if you know what's going on in Cleveland right now, but it's another situation like Baltimore, it's another situation like Ferguson, the, the, the stuff that's going on in this nation, we need to pray because it doesn't feel like home. It doesn't feel what we're experiencing here. Matter of fact, and maybe some of you have home situations like this. Story about a na- uh, boy I met named Scotty. Scotty's family was having a family gathering kind of like this weekend, Memorial Weekend. So the neighbors came over, family and friends came over, relatives came over. Scotty had some of his friends over as well. But it was not always a safe place at home because Scotty's dad was an alcoholic. And if you've come from a home like that, you know that you're never sure what's going to happen and when it's going to be safe and when it's not safe. And, and everything was going good and everybody was having fun and they were eating food. And, but then his dad started drinking too much and he never knew what was going to happen. And in front of everybody, his dad was drinking, there were some peanuts on the coffee table. And in front of everybody, he went and he grabbed some peanuts and he took one. And in front of everybody, he said, see this peanut? See this peanut? This is the size of my son's brain. This is Scotty's brain. He popped it in his mouth. How would that make you feel? If your own dad did that, some of you maybe have gone through that. And he said, I I, just wanted to cry, right? He just wanted to to let that emotion out. But he knew if you showed weakness, you'd get even treated worse. So what did he do? Just push that pain down. But when pain is pushed down, what starts to come up? Anger. So if that's the way he was treated at home, how do you think he's going to start treating others? How do you think he's going to view himself and treat others? Who do you think is going to become the next bully at school? Who do you think is going to maybe be the one for the next school shooting? That's what I see. That's what I see out there. And, And honestly, this week is... It's come too close to home, hasn't it? The shooting in, in Manasha. And it's come closer to us than we even want to talk about. A young man that was killed, 31 years old, single man. But then there was a, another guy, 33 years old, John Stofflin, his, his daughter Olivia. That's my daughter's brother-in-law. My daughter is a Stoffel now. And just last Thursday, we were at the funeral with John, 33 years old, in the casket, and his 11-year-old, Olivia. Aaron is in the hospital with three shots, and my daughter had, and her husband, Isaiah, had the other two kids for the week. That's what so much is out there. I'm sorry, but that's why I wrote this book. That's why we, as as Christians, have to fight against that evil and talk about it. Because what happens with the evil? Always at the expense of what? Human beings. Human dignity. No, no, please. I got to tell you, I kind of feel weird having this up here. They made me put my picture on the cover. (laughs) No, but I kind of like it because it takes about 30 pounds off. But, but the book is actually about, about my sister Lois's special needs. And so I wanted her on the cover. 
But this has been such a blessing, this book, because did you know that all schools nationally have to have an anti-bullying program? So who's going to lead that way? Now, this book is written for the public school. It was written with the teacher of the year last year for the whole country. But it's written with our worldview, with the Christian worldview. No, it doesn't say Jesus in it. But the pledge, you can take the dignity pledge. Guess what? It's the fruits of the Spirit. It talks about love from 1 Corinthians. It says, yeah, there was a poem at every wedding. <laughs> love is patient, love is kind. Please, uh, unapologetically asking you, you can adopt a school. Um, the teachers, three teachers put together, you know how they got like Red Ribbon Week? About anti, you know, drinking and driving? They've put together a dignity revolution campaign, a week for the public schools, where they stand up for the value of every person. And who's supposed to lead that way? If we don't, who will? Who's going to do it? So unapologetically, I'm asking you, would you adopt a school? Could every, every school in the Green Bay area and further have this program in their school? Go and talk about how you can adopt a school today. But I got to tell you something. When I wrote this, I start getting pushback mostly from, guess who? Christians. They're like, Bob, human dignity? The dignity of every person? The value of people? And you know what I start getting? Bob, are you a humanist? Are you a secular humanist? And please hear me. So today, you know what apologetics are, right? To defend the faith? Today, I want to talk about biblical dignity. I want to show you that human dignity is orthodoxy. And it's something I think the church for so long has forgotten because we focus on what? We focus on the evil so much that we don't focus on the dignity of people. Um, so let's go back. Let's start by going right to the Bible, all right? Right in the beginning, in Genesis, it says what? In the beginning, God. I'm sorry, but if you've ever looked, doesn't that look like an eye? <laughs> I'm sorry, there, you are not alone. There is a creator behind it, but in the beginning, God created. I believe in creation. I believe in creation, not because I'm smart enough to understand or debate it. Listen this morning, you'll, you'll see I may not be the most intelligent man in the world. But did you know you can believe in something that's bigger than you can even understand? Like, I believe in brain surgery. Why? This isn't funny. My friend, Scott, was cutting on a tree. He was not to fall this way. The wind shifted, fell back on him fell on top of his head and it crushed his skull. They had to do brain surgery. They cut his skull off to release the pressure and they had to do brain surgery. Because of that, my friend is alive today and he's walking and he's talking. So do I believe in brain surgery? Does that mean you want me to do yours? <laughs> no. See, you can believe. Christians, we always think we have to be able to explain everything. Tell him somebody who's smarter. Pass them off to somebody. Say, I believe it because God, God's word says it. But there's other people that are smart enough to understand it. Like, can I tell you why Bob Lentz believes in, brains, in creation? Because when my son was young, David, I bought him a puzzle of that purple dinosaur, Barney. <laughs> and the puzzle, the puzzle only had 50 pieces in it. But guess what? You take those 50 pieces, you put all the pieces in the puzzle, put the top on, you shake it up, guess what? No matter what mathematical equation you use, those 50 pieces will never come down together. I tried it. <laughs> but if 50 pieces can't come down together, then guess what? 
You tell me how the DNA in just one person can be by chance. You're not an accident. You were created in the image of God. You were created for love. And there is a creator. That's what I believe with all my heart. And that's where our dignity is going to come from. Now, let's just go through creation real quick, okay? Now, I'm not going to teach it all, but go on, you look this up first in Genesis, right? So creation is like this one. It says, in the beginning, God created. It's like a creator, like a painter, right? I think he just took a canvas. God created out of the void. And he made a canvas. But now let's, let's just go through some of the days real quick, all right? Um, the first day, it says he separated the light from the darkness. He created, the, I mean, I'm sorry, he didn't separate. He created the light and the darkness. Day two, he separated the water from the sky. What was it like before? Isn't that weird to think? The water and the sky were one. And he separated the water from the sky. Day three, he separated the land from the sea. So first, <laughs> this water gets everywhere. First the water and the sky had to be separated. Then the land and the water had to be separated. But then it says this. He created vegetation, and here's a term I, I, you got to know. According to its own kind. Created vegetation, and I, I need you to respond here. According to its own Awesome. There you go. Now, day four, he created the sun and the moon. Wait a minute. I thought on day one he created the light. I don't understand that, but somebody explained it to me later. But he created the light on day one, but the sun not until day four. Maybe it was one of those billion stars that we just sung about, right? But then day five, look at this. He created the birds of the air according to their own kind. And he created the fish in the sea according to their own. And the creation, he created cre creatures according to their own. He created livestock and animals according to their own. And then it says he created the creepy, crawly creatures. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's in the word, all right? But he made them according to their own. Do you see a pattern here? According to their own? According to their own? But now, look at Genesis 1.26. It says, Then he said, Let us make man in our image, and in our likeness, and in the image of God, he made them male and female. So in, according to their own kind, according to their own kind, and all of a sudden, bam! He created men and women not according to their own kind, but in the image of God, he created them. Let me tell you this, whoever this God had is, how many gods are there? In three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. But whoever this God, triune God is, he's both male and female. All the characteristics of, and I think that's why marriage is supposed to be a symbol of the church and then of God. Because the completeness of who God is, that is what God has made. And we are a part of that creation. But I love creation. Anybody else love creation? Like being outdoors? No. I, I break down creation into two groups. There's usually the beach group and the mountain group. Where, where's my beach people? Right? Right? Just 
How many like the water, the, the waves that just lap on the sand, the feel of the sand, looking and seeing where you can't even see the end? It's just... <sighs> my wife's one of her favorite sounds is the water coming on the, on the, on the beach. Now, where's my mountain people? Almost every single time, the mountain people are louder. Because the, the beach people are like, ah. <laughs> and the mountain people are like, ah. Because there's something about the climbing and the trails and the view from the top and the view from the bottom and the valleys and the ruggedness. But either one, it's just like, ah, oh, there's something about creation. But can I share something? Creation is marvelous. But human beings are created totally different, fundamentally different than any other being. As part of this creation, when God created all, he said, it is, it is, it is good. It was beautiful. Now, I personally, I may, I may not seem like this, but I'm a beach person. I love the waves. I love the water. One of my favorite things to do is snorkeling. And, and I was like, I shared first service that I was in Hawaii um, writing my last book and I went snorkeling. Like, I didn't write under the water, but it was an excuse to go to Hawaii. But I love, anybody here snorkel? When you put your head down enough that all the sounds go away and all you see is God's majesty and the beauty. Like, God is so creative. Like, one of my favorite things to do is, is see an aquarium. It's a Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. I've been probably 20 aquariums throughout the country just love aquariums like god's creativity like, like his mind like like look at this look at this fish okay fish go to school what do you think this kid was called on the first day of school hey cheeks <laughs> swim over here but some of us freak out we get you know anxiety we kind of freak out look at this next fish <laughs> It's like, hey, pull yourself together. <laughs> and colors. Some of us don't want to stand out, but look at this guy. <laughs> I, I, could I could take the rest of this service and just show you pictures of fish. But like God's like, what color should I make the next one? Let's use a lot of them. <laughs> like he's going to make up his mind. Now some of you are going, wow, God's so creative. But sometimes they go, what was he thinking? Look at this. Really? A platypus? God's just like, ha, 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 ha. But there's something about creation, whether you're a mountain person or a beach person, there's still something about a sunrise and a sunset that when you see one, you feel that? Even in here, all hectic to get the kids in, the kids are going to stay in service today, and yet there's something when you see this. My mom, when she saw creation, she'd always, wow. So we came up, wow, without words. Do you feel that peace here? A sense of wonder, a sense of awe, a sense of worship. That's what we're supposed to do. It says the creation itself cries out the attributes of God. But let me tell you this. According to scripture, guess what creation is supposed to cry out the attributes of God more than anything else. Humans. When's the last time we looked at humankind and went, ah. But we focus on what? 
We focus on just the evil. We focus on just the brokenness. But you know what C.S. Lewis said? If we'd see men and women for what they're really created to be, we'd be tempted to worship. Human dignity. You've been made in the image of God, set apart the highest of his creation. How are we different? How are we creating the image of God? I would say there's three basic ways. Number one, rational. We are reasoning beings. We can think, we can reason. Some of you are thinking right now going, my spouse is not real rational. <laughs> okay, a lot of us may not use the rational God has given us, but we are made different than anyone else. We can reason and think. The God of the universe, all-knowing God says, come let us reason together. Really? But the second way, and this is my favorite, <clears throat> relational. Did you know that before God made men and women, he was fulfillment? God is love. You can't have love unless you give and receive. God didn't create us because he needed anything. God was complete. God is love. God is community. God is fulfillment. And he created us to share who he is, to love God and love one another. The purpose of men and women, to be in relationship. That's why religion and rules can never do it, right? It's relationship. But there's a third way that we're made like God, and that's functional. Um, the word is actually substantive. My, my son wrote this part. He went to Wheaton. I couldn't pronounce it, so I changed it. <laughs> God made us functional. We're supposed to what? We're supposed to rule. We're supposed to rule over creation. That's what we're supposed to do. You know what that's called? To be an ambassador. We are called to be the ambassadors of God to this world. What is an ambassador? Somebody who represents one country to another country. One kingdom to another kingdom. Is the ambassador the king at either country? No. Is he the president of either country? No, he's supposed to, she's supposed to just represent the king. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to display God. We're supposed to display the image of God to this world. That's what we're supposed to do. If you're a believer here today, you're an ambassador. Your whole job is to display God. Can I tell you what sin does? And I can tell you what we're not supposed to do? We're not supposed to play God. Display the image of God. Value what God values. Deem important what God deems important. Don't make up the rules yourself. Don't play God. You're like, well, what do you mean? Well, society says a guy has value if they have a six-pack of abs. I have quite a few six-packs. <laughs> Some would say it was a king. <laughs> Somebody said, Bob, <laughs> you're out of shape. I'm like, that's not true. Round is a shape. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I believe we're temples of God, and honestly, I'm trying to work on it because it does matter. But is your whole value, if you're not there, does it mean you have no value? Even this initi initiation from the government against obesity, I think it's important to take care of ourselves. But are we saying those who struggle with it have no value? Really? 
What about the girls? I'm sorry, but this is through my heart having three daughters. We have a society in Hollywood that says if the girls' curves aren't in the right spots, they don't have any value. You talk about shallow. Now, I love outward beauty. That's great. But are we going to say that if somebody doesn't have the curves in the right spot, they don't have any value? Just before Cleveland, we were in Minnesota, and I took my special needs sister there to video for the Dignity Revolution campaign. And Lois is at about a third grade level. And he said, the interviewer said, Lois, why does everybody deserve dignity? And my sister went, because nobody should feel like dirt. This society has met, has let a lot of people feel like dirt, like nothing, like they don't measure up. And I'm sorry, church, because I love the church, but I think we've played God as the church instead of displaying the heart of God. And if somebody sins in maybe a different area that we struggle with or an area that's not acceptable to the church, we've deemed them as less important than others. Or maybe because of the color of their skin or their gender for leadership or their economic status. And we've been playing God. My wife and I met a, a student this year at Life Fest. He heard me speak, well, he heard me speak through an interpreter and through, I had to wear a special microphone because he was deaf and they had him hooked up so he could get the message. He heard me in middle school and he felt like he was worthless because he was different. But he said, after hearing my talk, I love him, God, he was a broken person like myself, that he said, you have value no matter what. So he said when he went to high school, he decided I have talents too. So I started looking, what, what do I like to do? He said, I love to wrestle. He had never gone out for a sport before. And he went out for wrestling. And as a freshman, he made the team. Not only did he make the team, he made varsity. And he started winning. And it was going great, except the team didn't accept him. And they would bully him and make fun of him because he was different. And I know there's kids in here, so I'll try to be careful, but in the shower, they would circle around him and urinate on him and just make him feel like he was nothing. And he said, you can't show any emotion. But he finally felt, I can't take this anymore. So he told the coach. And the coach said, it's okay, buddy. I'll take care of it. But they were on a winning year and they had a chance to go to state. So guess what? The coach never reported it. He never did anything. It continued to happen. And finally, this little boy broke down and told his mom and said, I want to quit. So the mom, being a, you know, the mother bear in her, went and told the principal. True story. We can show you the documents. The coach got fired. They didn't go to state. But you know what's sad? They told us that they're thinking of moving out of the town because now the whole town is turned on. And they're even shunned and made fun of when they walk into a grocery store. 
The person who is supposed to defend them. The person where you're supposed to be safe. Stand, stand up for his dignity. Who is supposed to stand up for the marginalized? Who is supposed to stand up for the widow and the orphan and the outcast and the leper today? We are church. That's our call. That's what I love this church because you want to not just hang out as believers. You want to impact the community. That's why we're saying let's do it. How do we do that and make a difference? You want to build the kingdom of God? Here's how we build the kingdom of God. You build God's kingdom when you show dignity and value of every person. That's what we're called to do as believers, to show that. But now if you're a good theologian at all, and I know there's a lot of good theologians here, then you should be asking this. And if you're not, you should be. Okay, Bob, now I see why they're calling you a humanist. You're talking about all the goodness of people. You know, what about sin, right? What about depravity? What about depravity, Bob? What about the holiness of God? God is totally other. He's pure. He's holy. He's righteous. So true. Matter of fact, think for a moment how pure God is. Did God ever sin? Did he ever have a wrong thought? He's perfection, holiness, and he cannot be in the presence of sin, right? Now, think how holy and pure God is, and think how sinful mankind is. Have you watched the news lately? This ISIS, how in the world? I mean, how could you treat anybody, animals, create anything like that? Look at history. Look at the genocides. Look at the, the trafficking. How can somebody treat a, a little girl as a possession? But can I have you be honest this morning, church? Even if you walk with Jesus a while, can you take a look at our own hearts? Left apart from Jesus, it's still pretty dark for me. So you think how sinful the world is and how pure and perfect God is. Here's the age-old question, right? Is it logical for a pure, holy God to love us such a sinful human race? People are shaking their heads, no. Then can I ask you a wild question? Do you want to go and stand in front of God and tell him that he's illogical? Is God logical? I didn't hear you. Is God perfectly thinking? Yes. So does God love sinners? What are Christians supposed to do? Love sinners. What do fishermen do? Fish. What are sinners supposed to do? Why do we keep trying to get them not to do what they're supposed to do? Now, don't get me wrong. Am I into morality? Am I into laws? Sure. But will that change a heart? No. You're saying, Bob, is it logical? Yes. God is logical. But is men, are men and women sinful? Yes. Are we depraved? Total depravity. That doesn't mean we're as sinful as we could be. It means that sin has touched every part of human beings. Minds, will, emotions, right? Total depravity. But let me ask you something, church. Have you found anything in your repertoire that can take care of the issue of depravity in your own life? Can your good works take care of it? Can your religion take care of it? Can your church attendance? Can, can um, morality take care of it? How about education, science? 
Poli politics, government. What in politics? No, okay. What's the only thing that can take care, take care of our depravity? The cross. Do you have any other hope? That's why it's called gospel. Good news. Grace. But now, what about dignity? Why do you, why do people have dignity? I want to tell you two reasons. Number one, creation. You've been made in the image of God. And God said it is good. But are we sinful? Yes. So we've sinned. Can men and women save themselves? No. I didn't do this first service, but a friend of mine, Michael Bridges, said when Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. But his last words on the cross, right, we just went through the Passion before Easter, he didn't say, WWJD. What does that stand for? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Listen to what he did. He was born a virgin, lived a sinless life, did acts of miracles, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent his Holy Spirit. Go ahead and try. How many saviors are there? And it's not us. Yes, we're made in the image of God, but we're sinful. But what has taken care of our depravity and what proves our dignity? Creation and the cross. I go to some of these antique places. I don't get antiques. Okay, a chair. Okay, it's old. That's good. That means I can't sit on it. And you want to pay how much? It does not make sense to me. But let me tell you this. People see the value. And they pay crazy amounts. You want to worship God? It's not just raising your hands. Jesus says, it's how you treat people. That's what he changed it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. That's Deuteronomy 6. But then he changed it. He said the next one is just as important, just like it. Because remember when the, the Pharisee walked on the other side and didn't go by, the, by the, um, the Samaritan? He was trying to be holy. When the unpure had a bell around their necks, they would stand out. And Jesus said, you missed the Old Testament. It's how you treat them. And he touched the untouchable. Can I make a statement? I want you to live. People are worth loving. No matter how sinful. Why? Because they have dignity. Because they've been made in the image of God. And Jesus said, the way you treat the least of these is as if you were doing it to me. The prisoner, the poor, the marginalized, the outcast. Total depravity? Yes. Still have dignity? Yes. Sinfulness did not take away our value. This illustration will kind of show it, but I'm a little embarrassed to show it because it's not popular. I'm a hunter. It's still okay here, but you say that down in California, I get in trouble, but <laughs> I actually hunted rabbits, okay? 
and I love to go out in these junkyards and rabbits love sitting under pieces of junk like this and I don't think those windows were broke. I shot them out. <laughs> I just love just, oh, you go and kick on it, rabbit take off. But this car, a guy came and offered the farmer $2,000 for this piece of rust. And the farmer's like, what's wrong with you? There's got to be a catch. No, I'm not selling it. He said, okay, $2,500. Farmer's like, you're crazy? But that's $2,500. Okay. And he took the money. As if the car would have a personality, he looked at the car and goes, you know what? This guy's crazy. You're really not worth it. You're a piece of nothing. You'll never amount to anything. You're rusted. Your, your lights are dead. Your engine's dead. Your tires are, are flat. You'll never be nothing. And he's like, what was wrong with that guy who bought it? What was he thinking? The guy who bought it knew something the farmer didn't. He knew the original design. It's a 57 Chevy. That's the same car. He restored it. Guess how much they got for it now? <laughs> and that farmer scratching his head. Guess what? There's people in here today. You're still hearing the lies that your parents told you. You're still hearing the lies when that person broke up with you. You're still hearing the lies from the abuse. You're still hearing the lies from the divorce. You're still hearing the lies from the world. I want you to hear God's voice today. He loves you. He made you. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we've been sinned against. Yes, we've blown it ourselves. But he is in the business of making everything new. He is in the restoration. Will you view yourself how God sees you? I'll close with this. There was a little girl. And she was two years old and she was playing in the kitchen. I have, my wife and I have five grandkids now. And those kids, Climb everywhere. I, I go to work just because I get too tired taking care of them. And I told them no diapers. I did that with my five. But they're so fun. But this little girl climbed up on a chair. And she pulled boiling water over herself. And it bore, burned 60% of her body. And it burned her hair down where her hair doesn't grow all the way to the middle of her head. She was in the intensive care for months. And she was scarred when she came out. Let me ask you, parents, was she still beautiful to those parents? Do you see a monster? He sees their child. But when she was five, it was time to go to kindergarten. Our first is going to go to kindergarten this next year. You know why I like kindergarten kids? They still want to go to school. <laughs> and she's in line with her little pink backpack, and she had her little princess lunchbox. And she was all bubbling to go in. But it's a cruel world out there sometimes. And the little boy behind her pulled his hair back start laughing at her and said, look how ugly she is. Look at her scar face. And she started to cry. 
And when she went home, she said, Daddy, I don't want to go to school anymore. If I was at that, I'd say, okay, good. Don't you want to just protect them from all of it? Whether you homeschool, Christian school, we still have to prepare them. All of it's to prepare them to be there. I said, we've got to bring you back, but you've got to know this. And he looked at his daughter and said, if they knew who you were on the inside, they won't treat you like that. You're awesome and I love you. And as hard as it was for that dad, he had to bring that little girl back to school the next day. Do you think the bullying stopped? The little boy got all the other boys to do it. They all pulled their hair back, pointed at her and started to laugh. But this time, she believed her daddy's words. I hope you do that today. So he, she went up to that little boy and said, if you knew who I was on the inside, you won't treat me like this. And the little boy started to cry. And he said, why are you like that? And she told him the story. And he said, I'm sorry. I didn't understand. If we took the time to get to know, don't judge. For recess, they went out and played together at lunchtime. They became best friends forever. I met them when they're 13 and they're still friends. That's what I want for you. Would you not believe the lies that you've believed from the world? Would you believe your daddy's words today? You're made in his image. Yeah, but I've done this, I've done this. People have done this. If I was really valuable, why would they treat me like this? Believe God today. And then believe the cross restoration. Believe that one day every tear is going to be wiped away and evil will not win. And then believe it for yourself. And then will you be the messenger for your kids? Dad, will you tell your kids how much they matter? And will you go and tell Green Bay and Howard and Swamico? Will you live this? Will you adopt a school today? Will you go and be involved? You are loved. Father, may we believe.